You know, it's great. We want to do these different ministry moments just to and tell you the truth. The reason I wanted to get these guys up here um, was because it, for parents, you're you're kind of deciding where do you know want to send my kids to camp for the summer. You know, 20 years ago, you shipped your kid in a bus and you said, hey, I'll see you when you get back. Uh, it's changed now. And now it's like, I don't know these people. I'm not letting my kids sleep overnight with people I don't know. The world has changed. I totally understand that. And, you know, the reason I wanted them to come up and to let you know that 121 is a part of this. Really, our staff of our church is going to be running most of, you know, the camp. And so your kids will be hanging around with the leadership of our church, many of the leaders of our church. And, you know, it's going to be a safer environment when you actually know the people and can talk to the people who will be running the camp. So I just wanted to kind of have them come up and share that before I get started here, too. um, First service, second service, last couple, actually a month and a half or so. Um, so many new people have been coming and the church has been growing and, and I'm excited about that. But I want to make sure of a couple of things. If you're new, really want you to get plugged into a life group or a men's or women's Bible study. Um, we want to get you connected so you feel like this is home. Uh, that's so important. And also, if, you know, we, we give these announcements. There's maybe, you know, half the people in here. And if you are new, um, there's a welcome card or a comment card inside your family news bulletin where all the information is. Please make sure you fill that out. We just want to connect with you. Um, you'll get a letter and just saying thanks for coming. And, and one of the st- staff people will give me give you a call and just, you know, just say, hey, thanks for coming as well. But, you know, make sure you do that. We want to make sure everyone gets connected and feels like they're a part of the body. Feels like a part of this. Well, we're in a series called To Be or Not To Be. And I want to look at the grandson of David to learn a few lessons from the life of the man who is remembered for splitting the kingdom of Israel. All right. So that's what we're going to look at this morning. Um, this will be uh, part one of a two-part sermon. I couldn't, I could have done four sermons on this, but I broke it down into two. Uh, so this will be part one of, of a two-part sermon. And here's the thing. These are lessons that we need to learn. The things we're going to learn over the next couple of weeks, these are lessons we need to learn if we want to make sure that our own lives don't get torn apart. It's so easy to make decisions, to, to, to just make a simple choice that will affect the rest of your life. And I, I think in studying Rehoboam and even Jeroboam, but Rehoboam this morning for the most part, we can make some clear decisions on, you know, God, help me not to walk down this path. Help me to focus on your will and not my own will. See, Rehoboam didn't have it easy. I'm not making excuses for him, but he really didn't have it easy. He was following in the footsteps of his grandfather, David. Remember David? And his father, Solomon. Now, we remember David is the guy who basically took down Goliath and the person who's called in the Bible a man after God's own heart. That's your grandfather. Your father is Solomon. Solomon uh, asked for wisdom. He was given the gift of wisdom by God. And he is still is the wisest man who ever lived. And I'll tell you what, that what that proves to me is that wisdom is only useful if it's applied to your life, because later in Solomon's life, as we'll find out, things didn't really work out too well for him. Solomon reigned over a time of peace, which, as we said a couple of weeks ago, is really rare. It's rare in the history of the nation of Israel. Um, He was wealthy beyond your your wildest imaginations, and he built the temple of God. So here's Solomon 
your father and David, your grandfather. These are these are tough acts to follow, if you will. Rehoboam had inherited all of Solomon's wealth and his title. So you're the you're the son. Okay, you're the grandson. You're now going to be king. You inherit all this wealth. You inherit the title. And so there's a little bit of pressure that I could see being put on Rehoboam. And again, I don't want to make excuses for his choices, but you can I want us to understand as human beings how how this can happen, how we can make choices that are not really good for our lives and for our future, because we're all in the same boat in this room. And we can read about Rehoboam and talk about Rehoboam and and say, I can't believe the guy did that. But as we'll go through this sermon, you'll realize, you know what? I got to raise my hand because I've done some of the same things. Well, Rehoboam had also inherited some of the promises of God. Now, when I say that, you're thinking right away, that's good, right? Well, yes and no. Yes and no. The, 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 the first promise was wonderful. It was an amazing promise. And this was a promise given to David, his grandfather, decades earlier. All right. So he has this promise that's given to his grandfather, David. We find it in Second Samuel, chapter seven and verse 16. It says, your house and your kingdom shall endure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. So that gave Rehoboam some security. All right. You get that promise. You get that promise that you're going to reign on the throne. Your family, all right, line will reign on the throne forever. So God promises promises to establish David's throne and that he says you will always have someone from your line sitting on the throne or ruling in Israel. So I'm going to say this again. So so just to put things in perspective. So Rehoboam knew that one of his descendants would always be sitting on the throne. So far, so good. Jesus eventually fulfills that promise. Jesus is in the line of or a descendant of David and of Solomon and of Rehoboam. And Jesus, his his throne is eternal. So Jesus basically fulfills that promise. He fulfills that prophecy. The second promise, though, not so great. Okay, this is a promise that is given to Solomon for his his lack of faithfulness in God as he got older. You know, in the beginning, Solomon has all he has wisdom all his life. But in the beginning, he had this wisdom and he did amazing things and it was really dynamic and he followed God. As time went on, though, he started making choices. And I mean, ridiculous choices and the amount of wives he had and concubines and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, he, you know, he indulged himself and, and to the point, I'll give you kind of an understanding of how far he had fallen. He had married these women from different countries with different gods and he set up idols so they could worship their gods. And he participated in some of that worship worship. And some of these gods demanded child sacrifice. So you can imagine Solomon starting out in one place and ending up so low that he is actually worshiping these false gods. So in, in this promise, God says to Solomon, um, the, the nation, because of you, the nation will be torn in two. So that's what we have. That's the second promise. And we find it in first Kings chapter 11, 31 and 32. It says, then he said to Jeroboam. Take 10 pieces for yourself, for this is what the Lord your God of Israel says. See, I am going to tear the kingdom out of Solomon's hand and give you 10 tribes. But for the sake of my servant David and the city of Jerusalem, which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel, he will have one tribe. So Rehoboam 
inherited uh, all of Israel, knowing, though, he knew that someday that it would be split in two, that the nation would be split in two. Most of Israel would be torn away from his hands or the hands of his descendants. Right. So he knew that he knew going in, it would be torn apart. Now, again, I I don't know about you, but one of the first things I thought about when I first read this story was, boy, I would do everything in my power to make sure I wasn't the guy holding the bag when this happened, because it doesn't say it will happen directly in Rehoboam's reign. It says it will be torn from his hands or from the hands of one of his descendants. So Rehoboam, through this whole thing, he has a choice. He has a choice. The only reason his descendants would still be on the throne was that God had promised David, his grandfather, that there would always be someone in David's line sitting on the throne. So I want you to think about now. I want you to think about the weight that is on Rehoboam's shoulders. Again, I'm saying we're not making excuses for the man, but I also want you to relate to him a little bit. I know some of you probably have grandparents or parents who are pretty sharp, you know, and, uh, and you want to live up to their legacy. Can you imagine David and Solomon for most of his life? But can you imagine trying to live up, live up to that legacy? Some of you, maybe in high school or in junior high, um, you have siblings who were phenomenal athletes or who just killed it when it came to their grades. And, and so you have that to live up to. And your parents maybe expect a lot from you. Your teachers, you go to school and they expect you to be the star athlete. You know, you're following behind your older brother or sister. And the pressure, the pressure is on you to be a great athlete. The pressure is on you to be in all the, you know, the classes and get the grades. And the teachers just say, oh, here comes another Smith or whatever. And, and boom, they're going to be just like their older brother or sister. It's a lot of pressure. I just want us to be involved and try to understand what Rehoboam may have been going through. But again, we got to make our own choices. See, if you think about it, we all make choices throughout our lives. And I would say on a weekly or a monthly basis, we make choices that can affect the rest of our lives. I make choices. I get into situations. You get into situations. Someone does something and you have to respond. How are you going to respond? Someone has put you in a position and now how are you going? What choices are you going to make? We make decisions all the time that can affect the rest of our lives. I don't think we think about it in that way sometimes. And we're also left with decisions, if you will, that are made by our parents and grandparents that we're left with, like you can think of your own family line, great grandpa or grandma did something or, you know, you never noticed when you go and you seek out your family tree, you're never related to like, you know, a serial killer or something like that. It's always a king or a queen or someone. Everybody kind of, oh, I don't know like that. Skip around that, you know, I must not be in my line, but it always turns out really well for you. But there are situations where your grandfather or your father or your grandmother or grandmother, they made choices. For example, your grandfather was an alcoholic. Your father was an alcoholic. So they say, therefore, you're prone to be an alcoholic or they made financial choice that put your family in a difficult situation. But here's the deal. Now it's your turn. All right. They made those choices, but now it is your turn. Now you get to make the choices. Now you get to make the decisions. 
And so we need to be wondering here for our own lives, are we going to do the will of God or are we going to follow in the footsteps of those who come before us? Are we going to make choices based upon their choices? Are we going to follow God or are we going to follow the world? This is a choice we've been talking about throughout this entire series. Am I going to choose to follow God regardless of the circumstances or am I going to choose to follow the world? Rehoboam is in the situation he is in because of his father Solomon. This, 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 this promise that God made to David, that's a good one. Then Solomon comes along and does something else. And now he has another promise that is on his back about the splitting of the nation. Solomon put Rehoboam in this situation. But now it's Rehoboam's turn. Remember we talked about Demas and Aristarchus and they were following Paul. Okay, and they both had a choice to make. They basically went through the same experience as they were in Ephesus and they were going through riots and they were in jail and all these things were happening as they're following Paul. And, and, Ray, and, and Aristarchus basically says, you know what? I'm following Paul. I'm following God to the very end. But Demas, instead, Paul says, Demas Love the world. He's abandoned me because he loved the world. He's in love with the world. They both had a choice to make. Life is difficult. Life is filled with difficult choices. Life is filled with temptations. Life is filled with challenges. You're going to have problems. The only question is, how are you going to deal with those problems? And I would say, don't be Demas. Don't be Demas. Don't based upon the difficulties you're facing in your life. Don't walk away from God's will for your life. That's what we're talking about this morning. God's will doing my will or doing the will of God. Same thing with Demas. Same thing with Aristarchus. Same thing with Axel. All these different people, they had to make choices. How are they going? How did Axel handle her father giving a piece of land that wasn't so good? She didn't sin. Remember last week? She didn't sin in how she handled that. She had a choice. These other men had a choice. Rehoboam has a choice. So I want to look at Rehoboam's life and see what caused this promise to be fulfilled during his reign. It didn't have to be. See, his mistakes are an amazing example and warning to every single one of us to how we live our lives. So I'm going to do one. We're going to do one this morning and a couple more next week. The first, the first example, the first thing that we can learn from all of this, the first mistake that he made was to follow his own will. Rehoboam followed his own will. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking to yourself, see, I can't relate to that, Pastor Jeff. I just can't relate to what you're saying because I never follow my own will. I never let my emotions dictate my actions. Right. Right. I I don't relate to the fact that I I decide to do something. I don't I always pray about every decision I make every single time and always follow. I read I read the word. I I, I pray over it and then I make my choice. I can't understand why Rehoboam would do this. I don't I don't get. Well, but you know what? Stick with us anyway, because the rest of us fall into this category. All right. Of basically. Following our own will most of the time, and it's what gets us in most of the trouble that we find ourselves in. Second Chronicles 10, 1 through 11 says, Rehoboam went to Shechem, for all the Israelites had gone there to make him king. When Jeroboam, son of Nabat, heard this, he was in Egypt where he had fled from King Solomon. He returned from Egypt. 
So they sent for Jeroboam, and he and all Israel went to Rehoboam and said to him, Your father put a heavy yoke on us. But now lighten the harsh labor and the heavy yoke he put on us, and we will serve you. Fair enough. Rehoboam answered, Come back to me in three days. So the people went away. Then King Rehoboam consulted the elders who had served his father Solomon during his lifetime. How would you advise me to answer these people, he asked. They replied, if you will be kind to these people and please them and give them a favorable answer, they will always be your servants. But choice, now's the choice. Rehoboam rejected the advice of the elders, the elders gave them and consulted the young men who had grown up with him and were serving him. He asked them, what is your advice? Listen to this. How should we answer these people who say to me, lighten the yoke your father put on us? The young men who had grown up with him replied, tell the people who have said to you, your father put a heavy yoke on us, but make our yoke lighter. Tell them my little finger is thicker than my father's waist. My father laid on you a heavy yoke. I will make it even heavier. My father scourged you with whips. I will scourge you with scorpions. Isn't it great to have awesome friends who give you fantastic advice? Right? Holy mackerel. So Solomon, listen, Solomon had achieved all these great. We read about Solomon. We're like, ooh, ah, look at he did. He built these, he built, he built these incredible buildings and he did these incredible things and he built amazing gardens and he planted incredible vineyards. And it's like he was so rich and he did all these kinds of things. The problem was that the people that were serving under Solomon were under heavy taxation. You know how much we all love to be taxed, right? <laughs> Right. So they're under heavy taxation. Not only that, but they had to serve in Solomon's army. And these folks, honestly, they were saying enough is enough. I've had we've had enough of this. They were under a heavy load. So so, so the, the people were actually hoping when they went to Rehoboam, they were hoping that the new king, you know how you get, you know, we, we know what it's like in, in our way. We, you know, we don't like a certain president. We're hoping, oh, and the next president comes in, the next president's going to do this or do that. And, and so they're hoping that the next king was going to make their lives a little bit easier. So the people come to the king and they come to make him king. They're going to put him on the throne, but they had something else in mind as well. Okay. They wanted to come and present their request. So they had kind of double mind here. They're they're coming to, you know, make Rehoboam king, but they're also coming with a request that they don't be, they're not under such a heavy burden any longer. So in the beginning, Rehoboam is on the right track. I'm going to give him, I'm going to give him that he's on the right track with the elders. He goes and the first people he talks to are the elders, which is what, you know, a king would do. These are men who are older and wiser than you are. So you go to them first and you ask, hey, you are, you, you serve my father. Now you're serving me. These people are saying this. What do you guys think? And so he's on the right track there. But then his motives become absolutely clear. And, and I'm going to keep saying like many of us, because, you know, these God didn't put these in the Bible, these stories in the Bible, so that we could read and say, what's wrong with this guy? What's wrong with that woman? What's wrong with him? They're in there so we can look at our own lives. Remember I said it's always, it's it's so cool to see yourselves in the heroes of the Bible, 
But in order for us to really grow and become more like Christ, we need to see ourselves in the people who have fallen short. If you can't see yourself in Rehoboam in this instance, you're just not being honest with yourself at all. Rehoboam's motives become clear. What Rehoboam does, he goes to the elders. He goes to the elders, though, and he basically wants their agreement. He's, he's basically doing what we do. We want something, and so we go to people, and we're, we're asking for their advice, but we have already made up our mind, and we just want them to tell us what we want to hear. So you're in high school, and you decide you want to, you're thinking of dating this guy named Snake, okay? It's like... You know, Snake's still 20, he's 20 years old, he's still in the 8th grade, you know what I'm saying? And you're, th- you know, and you're thinking, yeah, this is a fantastic idea, my dad will love it, he's going to love Snake, you know what I mean? Snake's been in prison for a year or so, you know, but he's out, he's back in 8th grade. So you want to date Snake, and so you go to your friends, and most of your friends are like, Snake, isn't that his, isn't his best friend Skull? I don't, I'm not sure, I'm not sure you want to date this person. And what do you do? Oh, you guys are so, thank you for enlightening me. You're so right. No, because you want to date Snake. And so you go and find a couple of friends who what? Who agree with you, right? Oh, Snake, hey, he's been rehabilitated, for goodness sake, you know what I'm saying? He's all good. And so you find those people who tell you what you want to hear. And that's basically what he was doing. He goes to the elders, but he really doesn't want their advice. He wants their agreement. So he's not thrilled with what the elders say. And so he decides in his incredible wisdom to go and talk to the the guys that he grew up with instead. Now, when I read that first, were your radars going off, anybody? Your radar, right? He didn't listen to the elders. So he, he got, got guys around him who he'd known for years he grew up with. And these guys don't know. They don't know what the heck they're talking about. All right. I know. I know. I'm going to go ask my drinking buddies who have to basically do what I say for their entire lives. I'm going to ask them what they would do. What should we say to the people who say this to us? What should we say, pals? Goodness, can you imagine what he's looking for, okay? He gives the appearance, and this is what people do. And this is why it's hard to, to you got to look into your own heart on some of these things. He gives, the, he gives the impression that he wants good advice, that he wants to do the right thing. And so he goes to the elders and gives that impression, but he's really looking for confirmation to just justify what he wants to do, which is follow his own will. Not God's will. He wants to follow his own will. And I, and I, you gotta, I gotta ask the question. Does that sound familiar to anyone? You don't have to raise your hand or anything, but just think about it in your heart. Doesn't that sound familiar to, to you? You know, you go and ask questions, but in reality, you just want confirmation to make a decision you already want to make, and you're gonna find the people who are gonna tell you what you want to hear so that you can, so that you can follow your own will. You're not seeking the word of God. You're not praying about it. You're not really seeking godly counsel, and if you do, it's only to pray that they tell you what you want to hear. And that's what we have here. See, as a result, his desires and poor choices, because of those poor choices and those desires, the kingdom is split in two. It's split in two. You have the northern, right? You have the, you have the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. That's what happens. It is split in two. Why? Because he made choices. He made, did he have to make those choices the way he made them? No, he didn't. Didn't have to be during his reign. But he chose to make those choices and he put himself in that position. See, before we move on though, before we move on from, from this, I want to, I want to stop and just say, alright, let's talk about the people for a second. The, the, the masses, okay? The nation, if you will. The people who came before the king. 
Let's look at some of their motives and their attitudes because their motives and their attitudes weren't right here either. Their motives and attitudes were, again, to do their will. They wanted to do their will. Notice that in Second Chronicles chapter 10 and verse 3, they go and they, they seek out Jeroboam first before they approach Rehoboam with their request. And what they were basically doing is saying, if, Re- if Rehoboam doesn't do what we ask him to do, We're going to take matters into our own hands. We're going to put Jeroboam on the throne if Rehoboam doesn't do what we want him to do. So they already decided. They already decided what they were going to do. It seems that everyone already had made up their minds what they were going to do before it actually happened. All of them seeking out their own will, how I would handle the situation. I don't know about you, but there are times where where in, in my life where situations come up and someone does something to me or to the ministry or whatever else. And my first reaction is, well, how do I play this? You play, start playing chess in your mind. You don't go and read the word. You don't get on your knees and ask God to help you through this. You start playing chess in your mind. And it's not a good thing to do. You want to basically sit down with God and say, God, how do I handle the situation? Because you don't want to layer bad mistakes. You don't want to layer bad decisions. And that's what's going on here. They're layering on bad decisions. And in this case, if the king's will does not line up with my will, then we're going to set up Rehoboam as king. And that became a part. They became a part of the the, the bad decision making of this entire story. See, what I'm saying is don't double down on stupidity and sin. Don't double down on stupidity and sin. When you're faced with a situation, even if you can't see how doing the right thing is going to benefit you, do the right thing anyway. God's in control. God will bless you making the right decision. God will bless you. God will, God will be pleased with you when you make the right decision. So don't keep, don't layer on someone else's bad decision. Rehoboam, basically said, my will be done, and split the nation. The people said, my will be done, and were a part of the problem. Jeroboam, and I can't get into it right now, but Jeroboam, God, God says, God said that I will give you a great and lasting, okay, uh, legacy or dynasty. He says this to him. But Jeroboam looks at what he has to do in order to get that. And he starts thinking, well, if I go and we worship over here, and then, or if I, if I try to realign with, then I might get killed. And, and I, this might happen, and this might happen, and that might happen. And, and so he's playing chess in his head. And what does he come up with? A great idea. Let's get two, let's, and, and just double down on some really dopey idea that we had a long time ago. Let's have two silver calves that we're going to worship. And he loses it. Because he says, my will be done. God says, I will do this for you. But instead of trust, he doesn't trust God. Because his own finite mind can think way beyond God's infinite mind, how it's all going to work out. And he throws it away. We do the same thing. We do the same thing sometimes. Don't add to bad decisions. When someone wrongs you, don't start, don't start, don't start plotting and planning on how you're going to get this person back. Don't waste your time doing that. It never honors God, never honors God, and usually, almost always ends up poorly. 
When you start thinking, how do I get this? This person wronged me. We have this sense of justice. You know why you have a sense of justice? Because you're creating the image of God. That's a good thing. So we have a sense of justice. They wronged me. They should be wronged back. And so we plot and plan how we're going to wrong them. But we don't seek the will of God and how he will handle it. God, let God fight your battle sometimes. Trying to get back at people is a mistake because you waste so much time and energy. And it's a terrible mistake. So now, okay, I'm going to jump, I'm going to jump on here. So now this is also powerful. I want you to, you got to process through this with your theological minds. In choosing, in choosing to reject Rehoboam, 2 Chronicles 10.19 says that they also rejected the line of David and they have, they are now, will always be in rebellion. All right. So they, it says that they're in rebellion. 2 Chronicles 10.19 says in rejecting the line of David, which is Rehoboam, they are in consistent rebellion. See, we need to bring it back home. We need to really think through the long-term implications of forcing our will on a situation because there are long-term implications. You could affect your family for generations because you are making poor decisions about your life. You need to think through the long-term implications for forcing your will on a situation instead of reading the word, understanding the word, applying the word, and praying about it. See, if you think about it, you think about this. This could really explain why the Bible When it talks about like Judas kings, it describes Judas kings as good, godly men for the most part. Not all, not all of them. okay? but in many cases, it describes Judas Judas kings as good and godly men. But it describes Israel's kings, all of them, except for one, which I realize I'll call him neutral. okay? all of them are described as evil kings. They're described as evil men. Jeroboam, think about this. Jeroboam, instead of having a a great and lasting dynasty, Jeroboam is the prototype in the Bible for an evil king. Fifteen later kings were described as being evil like Jeroboam. Can you, that's your legacy. They were evil like Jeroboam, hearkening back to Jeroboam. Evil, like this is, this is years and years and years later. They were evil like Jeroboam because Jeroboam followed his own will. I'm not going to follow the will of God. I'm going to follow my own will. And this is what happens. We can never, they, they, could, they couldn't please God. These, God. these kings didn't please God because they were in constant rebellion against God. So the first, the first mistake that Jeroboam makes in this whole situation is that he was seeking his own will. He was desiring his own will and not seeking out God's will. And we need to ask ourselves once again, where do we do this in life? Do we do it in, in, in our, like, what part of our lives? When it, when it comes to marrying someone, when you're choosing who to, who to marry, who are you going to, some of you are in a situation where you're going to be married in the next few years. Have you thought about what God's desire is, God's will is for your marriage? Or are you just going by what you feel? Oh, I, I feel, I feel like God led me to this person. I feel, well, you know, I know they're not whatever, but, 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 but. Are you seeking God's will on, 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 on who you're going to marry, how you're going to run your business? See, if we choose to make and then live by our own rules or on the decisions 
uh, the made by the moral compass of our friends, if we're going by the moral compass of our friends or we make our own rules up in our own head and we live by them, my friends, we are going to be led into suffering and regret. The only thing worse than following the advice of a foolish friend is following the advice of your own sinful nature. In Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 9, it says, the heart is deceitful. Listen, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Um, Josh and I talk about this a lot. Do not let your emotions dictate your actions. We watch football and there are different games that go on and, and there'll be a 15 yard penalty or something terrible happen. And I'll say, why do you, why do you think that happened? And he'll say, because they let their emotions dictate their actions. And so their, their future is now determined not on the, really, on, it's on the field, but not on the field of play when they're playing. It's based upon their emotions. They let their emotions dictate their actions. See, Rehoboam chose to follow his sinful heart and his own path, and it led to nothing but misery and destruction. It led to misery. See, and here's the thing. I say this with no, I'm not saying it aggressively, whatever else, but I think you, most of you will agree with me. Many people, I'm going to use the word many, many people are where they are because they choose to be there. People love in our culture to make excuses, okay? But I say, I'm telling you, I'm submitting to you that many people are where they choose to be in life. They choose to be there. They're where they are because they choose to be there. They make decisions that put them in that place. They're faced with temptations. They're faced with challenges. You know, grandma, grandpa, mom, dad put, led me in this place. And so I begin to make choices in my own life. And so many people are where they choose to be. Not everyone, but so many people are where they choose to be. They make decisions based upon their own thoughts, based upon their own feelings, and the advice of those who agree with them. And like Rehoboam, their life and their relationships and their business and all of these things, all of them, their finances are torn apart. Rehoboam tore the nation in pieces. He tore it in half. He tore it apart. Our lives can be torn apart by the by our my will be done and not God's will be done by making the wrong choices. Isaiah 55 verse 8 is absolutely clear. Okay, God says it to us. He says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. In other words, hey, don't trust, you know, you can't always trust your feelings. You can't always trust what your, what your, your own desires are telling you to do. You need to trust the word of God. You need to trust the Holy Spirit. You need to spend time in prayer because God says, listen, your thoughts, they're not always my thoughts. Your ways, they're not my ways. So learn from me. Do what I'm telling you to do. Don't always go on how you feel because it can often get you into trouble. If, listen, if, if you don't know the word of God and you don't obey the word of God, then you're praying, playing Russian roulette with your future. Simple as that. If you don't know the word of God, you're not spending time in the word of God and you're not applying the word of God to your life. You're not acting on it. You're not living out. Then what you're doing is you're playing Russian roulette with your future. Okay, so next week what we're going to do is we're going to look at some other mistakes that Rehoboam has made 
that negatively affected his life. And why was he the one who was holding the bag when the nation was split? We learned of one today because he was doing his own will and not the will of God. And there are two more that can really help us, that will really help us in making wise decisions so we don't have our lives torn apart as well. To be or not to be, don't be Rehoboam. Don't be Rehoboam. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this time that we can spend together. Thank you for the opportunity, Lord, to just be here in your presence. Father, we pray that as we look into these different characters, Lord God, that we in our hearts would realize that we make some of the same poor decisions as they make. We make good decisions as well. We try to follow after those people who followed after your heart. But many times, Lord, it's really easy to see ourselves in the lives of men like Rehoboam and Demas and those who we shouldn't follow. So I pray, dear God, that you would help us to strengthen each other, encourage each other, support each other, be honest with each other. But more than anything else, Lord, let us be honest with ourselves. Let us see these same weaknesses in ourselves. That's the only way to overcome them. If we recognize them first. And God, as you bring them to our minds and we recognize that, you know what? We, we want our will more, more times than not. We don't seek you at all in many cases. I pray, dear God, that you would help us. That you would help us to seek your face. To study your word. To apply your truth to our lives. So that we can be the men and women that you created us to be, so that we will not fall into the traps that so many others have stumbled into. We love you. We praise you. We ask you to help us in this area. In Jesus' precious and holy name, amen. Have a great, great week.